to the second podcast in the Harping with Harpo series and it's great that you've uh, decided to take some time out to stop by and listen. Since the first podcast was made a few weeks ago, RJ and I have been uh, critiquing our initial offering and working out how to pitch further episodes. And we decided that an interesting format would be to use one of Harpo the Healer's recent uh, free harmonica tips on the YouTube and use it as a springboard for more in-depth discussion about the topic itself and to understand how it fits into the blues harmonica world. As mentioned before, um, RJ is a student of mine, he's developing his harp playing and he's happy to share his thoughts on the blues harmonica while he's learning the instrument. And these discussions aim to be informative, interesting, entertaining and who knows, they may even encourage a podcaster out there to take up the blues harmonica. It might just be interesting to people who like interesting podcasts who may have dropped on the podcast by accident. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that as well as the free podcasts uh, on Harpo the Healer uploads, there are some free tutorials that provide a deeper insight into uh, the teaching philosophy. If you're um, a harmonica blues music enthusiast, you'll be aware that out there there's an absolute vast uh, proliferation of resources and teaching material available on the internet and published there's e-books, uh, real books, all that sort of stuff. All great material, of course, all fantastic. But of course, you realise that at times, a bit of coaching is necessary and to get the right insight and uh, philosophy and the way of thinking is all very, very important. And so, and the mindset really is to, we're looking our our focus really is on blues, Delta blues, Chicago blues, and a little bit of blues funk all involved around those sort of blues ideas. So, moving on, this recording was made on, where is it, 8th of October 2020 with RJ. Uh, these are long distance recordings of our discussions via internet technology. We decided to start initially by referencing a Harpo the Healer video tutorial to kickstart our blues harmonica discussion. Hey RJ, how's it going? Yeah, it's going well. It's going well, Harpo. It's good to Excellent. hear you. This video we were going to chat about today, it's one I did, uh, Easy Lick or whatever, it's just a little one phrase that I play, one sort of easy phrase that you can use over a 12 bar. What did, uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was really good, Harpo. It was one of the, it was, it was a bit of a standout one for me from the recent ones. I worked it, I listened to it a few times. Once I got the concept of it, it was really useful for where I'm at at the moment because I could use it as a riff that obviously repeats. Mm. And then I could also sort of bring in doing some scale runs and then add in little licks and it kind of interspersing. It kind of makes you think of the structure of the song, but without getting too bogged down with having to feel 
you actually I felt I was filling the time of playing with actually focused information, focused ideas, rather than just randomly going up and down or uh, playing patterns. Not 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 that that isn't what I would mm -hmm. do anyway. But it was it was a good way of like focusing in your head, like how are you going to play? Like here's the riff, here's a bit of a scale feel or lick, and just sort of you you get a feel. That that was the bit I thought was really good with it. Right, because the the phrase itself, I I, I did it because if, uh, if people our listeners don't have to turn on to it, we can they can just listen here, but it's, it, they might want to use it as a reference at a later point. But the the phrase itself. If it's played in the middle of the harp, um, they don't need any bends in order to do it. And for people with a little bit of experience, they can play it at the bottom and you do the little bit of harmony. But the idea behind just using one phrase over a 12 bar is um, it means that it's usually done behind a swing rhythm. That particular phrase I took from a, an old jazz vibes player called Milt Jackson. Um, but um, I have a... When I was a jazz saxophonist for many years, uh, you have about 20, 30 or 40 of these things stacked up in your head and you use them as what we call throwaway tunes or whatever, or you use them, say, for the touring artists who happen to be working with your band or whatever. You can use them as a play on or a play off because you can just look at the rhythm section and just tell them to strike up a a blues and then you can just play this over the top while the guy walks on and then at the break he walks off so it, it gives the idea of a bit of structure when there's no structure actually taking place from a blues harmonica point of view it's great because you can use a, this phrase as a tune or you can just use it as a phrase um, and so and as you quite rightly say then you can kind of uh, expand on it so although it's kind of simplistic in one sense it, it can be used however which way you want to use it yeah that that's the bit i really liked um harper because it started making me think because i was obviously then trying to listen to quite a few other um bits of material just to sort of you know focusing in on little riffs and little ideas um i was listening to there was another one uh sonny rollins i think i was again just trying to listen to a little bit of what he was doing and thinking that's a really cool riff yeah absolutely sonny moved um yeah sonny moved too. too brilliant it's yeah really, and i got it going as well and i thought yeah. this is exactly what harpo's saying and it's it's a really good exercise because it keeps it going this is one of the problems i find when i'm playing is keeping it going keeping the actual song mm. or tune going and it's a really good way of practicing because i was generally practicing at this time but keeping it going and then thinking right i've got to think of the structure it just enables you to sort of almost get into this groove which is, i think is what we, we talk you talk about quite a bit on your some of your other videos but at, at the same time a it's like a framework to then tap into other bits licks and things which obviously is the basis of this blues harmonica playing yeah learn a few licks get them under your belt get them your own get them your own in your own individual way and um yeah it really helps it's great yeah it's um that that's the key the key is that you're you're aiming and um, the problem is as you progress and you get coached in these things the aim is so that you can throw everything away in your head and just play that's the object of the exercise but of course, we know that to get to that, you have to you, you, you practice it at different stages of your abilities. And, you you know, if you're at a certain stage, you, you can only throw so much out. 
And you, unfortunately, <laughs> that's how kind of how it works. But that's kind of the ultimate aim is so that you can just not be thinking and just yeah. just be playing, basically. Exactly, and that's um, that's the that's the nirvana, isn't it? That's the yeah, sort of the level you want to get to. And, and in fact, that's probably something that we'll we'll come on to in a little while. Uh, mm. when we when we move on into talking about um, the mindset and, and the motivation but yeah um, I think I think that uh, that video uh, that I put out was just basically um, for people um, to understand that you can use one phrase and that phrase can be used as a tune or it can be used as a phrase um, and yeah, I think that that's the yeah to check it out because I think it's worth worth looking at there's a lot there's a lot you can gain from it definitely if, if you're at this sort of level which I am at so RJ mindset um what's your uh, what do you what, how's your mindset as as, uh, as playing the instrument and and from a motivational angle how do you or how do you go about things yeah that's an interesting question um Harpo I think as someone learning this is the same thing that a lot of people have got to sort of work out and it, how it fits in within your own life really obviously I, the ideal situation would be to sort of practice for, for hours and hours and i often find when i finish practicing i've really enjoyed it you know maybe half an hour 45 minutes and i'm thinking god if i could do that every day that would be fantastic and then the next day comes along and you find you've been distracted and you haven't got it. And then another day goes past. So I think that's one thing that I'm always conscious of is like trying to keep regular practicing, which I think is good for everybody, whatever you're doing. So I do try and have that in the back of my mind um, to practice, have a little bit of space set up and then think, how am I going to get the most out of my little bit of practice time uh, that I can dedicate to this? Um, recently, some of the things I've been doing um, is uh, I've been conscious of making sure this is one thing, a little tip. I mean, obviously, lots of people may appreciate this or not, is I think it's difficult when you're practicing by yourself to know mm -hmm. when you're playing blues that you're getting some of those bends correct. Mm -hmm. um, and those notes are the notes that make the difference between sounding blues or sounding fairly ordinary mm -hmm. um and uh there's a sort of there are a few little apps technology we were talking about recently that you can access um just to be able to hear when you're playing there's one that comes to mind harp ninja or something it is it's a little app you download and when you're playing the scale it highlights what the notes you're playing and so say for instance if you're on um playing a the g blues scale you get that flattened third mm and you get those flattened fifths, you Trust get it. to hear those notes and you, you think, right, yeah, I know. And then what you really start yeah. thinking, you do start realising is, is the shape that you're creating with your mouth to get those notes. And then you, that's yeah. hopefully what you're trying to achieve yeah. all the time. Because I did worry about that in that if you go from a C harp, say, which is the standard yeah. harp that everybody uses and practices on to a certain yeah. extent, and then you say drop to a lower harp, like say an A wow. or a G, getting those lower bends can be um, slightly, I think can be difficult for beginners unless you're conscious of it. So it's a good thing to be conscious. That's a mindset that I'm always thinking about trying to get those notes. Mm. And motivation, um, what's, what's um, I suppose, what, what's your, mo what's, what's the motivator really for you? Everything, everybody's different. It's funny, isn't it? it, it we are all different. And mm. 
music has been something that motivates. I just, I don't know if I really need much motivation for music. I can no. sit and just do. I'm one of these people that it's it's probably in my DNA somewhere, you know. Yeah, in well, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean that's interesting you say that because um, I think um, you know uh, for listeners who are, want to take up the blues harp or people who are already doing it or people are just listening for other reasons, um, I think it, it's it's an intri- intrinsic motivation is necessary for the player to develop and uh, it, it doesn't matter where it comes from. I mean I'm going to share something with you now that um, back in the late 80s I was a saxophonist I was getting there at the time I wasn't there yet but uh, I think I've been working down in London at the time I had a tenor sax over my shoulder and I was at King's Cross station and I had to I had to come north for um, there was a bit of a crisis and uh, problems and I had to come north and uh, I was at King's Cross pouring down with rain outside absolutely teaming it down and there's a huge queue on the Northern Line, huge queue, huge queue. And I, I think a couple of people had recognised me because I'd actually been um, playing uh, tenor sax on the at Green Park Tube Station, actually. I think I've been spending most of my day there waiting to come up on the train. So a lot of people have probably seen me, but you that's what happens in those circumstances. Anyway, I got fed up of being in the queue. I thought, oh, well, you know, I might have to uh, stand all the way up north. And I wandered out of the station. I can't remember if I went onto the Strand or where I actually went, but I went out of the station and across the road I could hear this sound and it was a blues harmonica. Now, I played at that time a a couple of riffs on blues harp that I used in bands now and then. And sometimes it got me work uh, as a horn player because I could do this. And I kind of done that for years, but I hadn't concentrated on it at that time at all and uh, across the road this pouring rain there was a newspaper seller probably selling the standard or whatever it was and next to him in under this archway was this black guy in a sort of black jacket with a little pig nose amp with a, a blues harp and he had some reindeer antlers on his head that were flashing because <laughs> it was christmas time <laughs> and um and he was just riffing off playing a few riffs on the harp looking like it was having a good time and what's really strange is it took me like a magnet to follow him and whether he was trying to get money for it or not I don't know he was across the road there was nobody about but a businessman had followed me he'd been in the queue and a businessman had followed me and I looked behind and thought oh my god what's this guy doing you know (laughs) as you do and then um I said he looked at me and he said what do you think of that and I said Wow, I said, that's pretty amazing. He said, it's fantastic, isn't it? And we both laughed. And in the pouring rain, then we both went, we better get back in there because of the train. And I think he got off at Peterborough. We, but we sat together, we talked about music, and fair to him, we switched subjects. He was a very interesting chap, never saw him again. Just an interesting, very interesting conversation we had up as far as Peterborough, and then he got off. But what was really interesting for me, all the way up on the 125, that was in my head was the fact that this guy was communicating with this blues harmonica in a way that I'd heard before, but, uh, you know, and I was down the jazz route at this stage, you know, heavily, heavily, heavily. Um, But that stuck with me. And years later, um, that, uh, that profound sort of thing that I'd seen and heard 
um, had a bearing on me. And so that was kind of a, another huge motivator for me to, to get stuck into the blues harmonica. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's a sort of these sort of revelationary moments where you see something and you realise that you're doing something yourself and yeah. you realise that's where you kind of want to be or you want to achieve what you think that person's achieving and uh, they probably don't realise they're just doing their thing. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and the problem is when you're coaching, and I see it all too often on the net, and hopefully um, when we, we form the relationship and, and you, you're improving, getting your harp skills up and everything, you've got to be really careful. And I call it the chicken and egg situation. And you see it all too often where people spell things out for people on the Internet too much. It's not, not, it's not wrong. It's good. It's good. They're doing ev all their intentions are, are, are good and everything. But I saw this analogy once and I thought it was really interesting. It's like the chicken and egg that you've got the chick inside the shell and it's chipping away at the shell to try and get out. Now, you're at the other side and you can see everything that's happening. So what you can do is you can go in and break that shell. But in doing so, you'll crush the chick that's inside. Mm -hmm. And so the object of the exercise is you have to... Um, nurture and suggest in a certain way to let this development and yeah. by by giving things too literally um, sure. isn't necessarily a good idea because it, it you you can crush the spirit of you know because you can see yeah. kind of what's happening but everybody develops slightly differently and you've got to be so aware of it when you're coaching because yeah. you know everybody sees things differently that's the sure, yeah. That's the exactly. thing. Exactly. I totally agree. And it kind of brings you back to the, a thought I had back to that original video discussion, which is one of the things I really like is it's you, you don't it's not about spoon feeding people because I think people need to work things out a little bit for themselves and understand that if you just read, say, tabbed music on the sheet, you're not your brain isn't trying to work that music out just from hearing it. And those are sort of really, really important um Absolutely. assets that you need to be able to develop yeah, you have you to yeah when people you you have to let people uh, feel their way themselves they have mm -hmm. to be able to if you keep giving them exactly what it is people will take and they will regurgitate but they won't they won't um, it won't develop the right way and the, 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 the you know the, the old blues way is you know it's the old imitation repetitional exploration and I think that's 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 the key thing. And so you've got to drop that in and then monitor it and, and see, make, mm. you know, see how how they're sort of approaching it. And it's so key, that thing that every everybody, you know, you've got say you've got 10 people in a room. They're all absolutely thinking completely differently when you're showing one thing. And mm. I've come across it in the jazz world many years ago in jazz colleges where the guy that's actually lecturing at the front, who's a phenomenal player, um, for example, doesn't see it the way that he's putting it over to his students because he can't put it, he or she, they can't put it over that way because it's just not the way they see it. But they have a teaching method of firing it out. So mm -hmm. then they'll fire like five methods out, hopefully that the student will latch on to one of them, but they probably all won't latch on to the same one. That's the, that, and that's the yeah, hard, you know. I think this is a, 
this is the this is definitely a bit that I enjoy with your um, coaching and, and lessons is that the the problem we have these days with lots of things is all about evidence based. Um, well, I just want to say yeah. education or coaching. And so people have to give stuff and then they can tick the box and say, yeah, you've done that. I gave you that bit of paper. Whereas what you actually want to do is give people the sort of basics, the concept, Absolutely. and then kind of like nurture them to sort of try and work out how Absolutely. to do things. It's a bit like the person in a, a large organisation that, um, and we've all seen it, we've all seen it in where yeah. they, they get a qualification and then they take the next course and qualification, but they don't actually, they, they can't actually do the job. And some guy's been working in a certain department for five years looking for promotion. But what happens is that this person bypasses them with courses and then over say, they can't actually do the job. They're, they're actually moving up through the structure. So when they go mm -hmm. and present themselves in front of panels to get promotion, on paper, everything looks really good. But yeah. you'll probably find that they can't actually do the job. I mean, I've, it's a bit like the person that comes out of jazz college with a jazz degree and nobody's interested in that. Or if it was there, it's a blues college. Nobody's yeah. interested. All they're interested in is, can you come on the bandstand and can you play? That's all that's they're the, interested in. Yeah, and that's, yeah. the, that's the, the key. <laughs> yeah, that's life, isn't it? That's life. That's the big thing in life. That's yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and as you quite rightly say there, it, that, what we're talking about could apply to absolutely anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, this... Um, Kind of links us on to sort of uh, motivation and for the for the season player or the guy at practices. Now I've noticed that you mentioned um, metronome to me, uh, which is um, uh, I don't hear that too often. Uh, <laughs> certainly in the bluesfield. Tell me how that works for you, RJ. Well, no, it was just one of these things. I started realizing that when when you're practicing, timing is a real crucial thing. Obviously, timing is when you're playing in a band and you've got and this is the thing I've been trying to sort of work with a bit more backing tracks and just getting my timing worked out in terms of some of these riffs, triplets and things like that. So, yeah, I just thought it was quite useful, but whether it's a good thing, I mean, obviously you can't rely on these things too much. You've obviously got to feel the feel the music a bit more, but um, getting the triplets and getting the shuffle and then trying to time yourself in terms of a riff and a lick. And getting those, you know, I think timing is obviously important, but obviously a lot of people, uh, whether you practice timing or whether it's just something that you play and you just, you feel it, which is more important. Well, that's a, you can differentiate, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point because um, motivation and, and, and playing and, and the mindset. Um, for me, um, I've never, ever come across a blues player that used the metronome. And you'll often find that when I'm introduced to a blues player, sometimes with a jazz mm. player, they'll never refer to themselves as a musician. Mm. They'll only they'll say, uh, what do you do? They'll say, well, I'm a blues player. They create a category. They don't actually see themselves as a musician. They see themselves as a blues player because in their eyes, they're kind of saying, well, you know, the music isn't played, it's felt. I guess that's what they're saying in their head. I'm a blues player. And I've had that with a lot of blues guitar people that will say that when I've been introduced to them, particularly when I was a, well, don't do this, when I was a jazz player, that's how they would introduce themselves to you. And, um, and this mindset and this, this sort of coaching thing, um, that's, uh, this is really interesting because one of the reasons why the um, 
players play music and continually improvise uh, or improvised musician, in this case, blues, and why somebody should actually take up a blues harmonica because it's our favorite instrument and all the rest of it is because it's all about flow for people that continue to play. We've all come across people in the classical world and other world. They go through their stages of grades and they get up to, say, grade eight or grade six, but they might get to grade eight. And that's it. They probably never play the instrument again. And at Christmas time, they'll get the instrument out and play for family and friends and put a piece of music on the piano or the flute or whatever. And they play it and all the relatives clap and they'll play a couple of pieces and, oh, aren't they wonderful? And then a couple of, and then next year at Easter time, they'll do the same thing. So you think, well, why, you know, if, if, if you know, there's this business we call flow. And what flow is, it, it means that... Um, the player's playing, never really practicing. So when you practice, the, but there's a flow element, and that is that it, it, it's interesting for its own end. So that whether you're playing in front of 100 people or you're playing in front of nobody, it doesn't really matter because there's, a euphor there's something going on from the brain that creates an interest that, that um, you're going to be doing this thing, you're going to do this thing anyway. And they call now the flow, uh, the modern term for it, I guess, is what these uh, everybody like you and I would call it, but the, the scientists don't call it, is being in the zone. When you, when you play an instrument and trying to get yourself into the zone, it's a neurobiological phenomenon. It's in the prefrontal cortex of your brain, where at the front, where all the higher cognitive thinking takes place. And what you're doing is you shut down certain areas, the critical thinking impulse control, or in other words, um, your uh, anxiety and self-doubt, you shut them down. They're shut down so you can concentrate on creativity. And every musician that I've ever met who does this um, describes it in a different way. I describe it as an out-of-body experience because that's what happens for me. One of my last jazz gigs, I did the hotel circuit in 2012, but I think in 2011, one of my last gigs in a northern club as a jazz player, and I had it all night. Very rarely happened. All night. I was literally out of my body. So everything I could do, I could do on the instrument. But that's what you're craving for. That's what you... Now, you can get it with, with the blues heart, heart, just playing blues riffs, getting yourself into that mode. And you're trying to drop into it. And another description of it, um, musicians know it more than anybody, I guess. But um, artists do it. A young artist growing up in a household, perhaps, where they're not very happy. This is, so they can escape into drawing. And they're actually putting themselves in it unwittingly. And they don't realize they're doing it. And by the time they're 16, 17, 18, they're good at drawing. Um, but, they, they, but there's all different avenues. So it's, they're putting themselves into a zone and they're mm. shutting down certain areas of the mind. Mm. And you'll see if a guy's doing this, like I was at a, a piano player's house some while ago where his wife let me in. I came to see him about something and I made him jump as I opened the door to walk in the lounge. He went, oh, you made me jump. He was sat playing at the piano. He wasn't expecting somebody to come in. But in that moment, playing his piano, he was somewhere else. And I, I, so I recognize that and, and I shouldn't really have opened the door till he finished playing. I should have known better. But <laughs> but, you know, but but it's this 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 idea of why the uh, player 
continues to play. In other words, because once you're in that zone, and you, you can't always be in it, but when you're in it, um, you, from the abilities and the playing and everything that you do know, things will come out differently. So it's as new to you as it is to others, because you've lost that um, you've lost that self doubt and you've lost the the critical thinking impulse. So 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 the impulse control. So so you're in this state now where um, uh, things that you wouldn't normally do, you will try. Uh, it's mm. risky. It's a risky business, uh, but mm. you know. And musicians dip in and out of it. You dip in and out of it. But yeah. after a while. You can go and listen to a blues band and listen to a jazz band. And so let's call it blues because we're into blues. You watch the blues band. You need sometimes need to hear the band more than once because they might or might not be doing it. They might actually just be regurgitating what they played the night before. But yeah. you can usually tell. You can usually tell. And if it's more relaxed in that way, that they've managed to get themselves into it. Um, and, and that's kind of the reason the motivation why players continue to continue to play and continue to grow um because they it lets off a um that sort of feeling that euphoria feeling inside so they get this Enjoy feeling things. of satisfaction yes. mm -hmm. yeah and so so um and it, it can't really be explained and sometimes mm -hmm. if a whole band gets it at the end of the night you i haven't had this for a long time with a band but if, it, if that happens they, you never talk about it. You've just got a smile on your face. They never even say the music's good or bad. They don't mm -hmm. speak. You just know that something mm -hmm. locked in, and uh, you and yeah, that's really, it's yeah, almost that's it's, tra a transi it's a transient state, like a transient yeah. move. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's no, good. And I think it's one of those for someone who's learning. I think the problem is when you're learning, you're obviously you're trying to learn the theory and you're trying to understand the, the genre the music and all these things and in some ways they're they're kind of like these they're crutches that are holding you up as you sort of absolutely as and, and, and the one thing that i urge and i've said to you before and i say to other people is that in your um workout time when you're working you're learning different things learning how to nail down a phrase learning a line trying to get a certain note that's difficult to get all these things where you're not in that state at all but as you as you do your little practice time towards the end of it for five minutes you should always just try and put something on that you know you can do and just for five minutes you should always employ that idea of just trying to f be free and not not really think, and so the idea is to do it with with one scale, and, and just, sure. just just do yeah. it very easily. But you should mm. constantly attempt attempt to do it, um, mm. because and there's mm. there's some very very fine players out there that never do it. You you mm. you, you come across players who um, uh, don't know what you're talking about, and they mm. play very well. But you if you if you you can tell you can tell when that's happening and not mm. in the room you um, I think it's also, it out. yeah i think it's also one of these things that can help people build the confidence to actually sort of perform um and if you know you can achieve that state or get somewhere close to it you know the nerves may be be reduced they've, they've gone that they've gone they've if gone, the nerves are there you can't do worried. it yeah because yeah. you so that's got, that's why a lot of people yeah. like the idea of you know mm. that you know, you hear people saying, you hear people on the tube going, I'm going to tell you something great now. You've got to be relaxed when you play. Well, you know, yeah. fairly obvious. Um, yeah. But but 
in fact, it's a very good piece of advice, but but the advice should as also should couple it with how do you do that? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because, yeah. You know, some poor chap for the first time sitting with a band might be a nervous wreck. Poor thing. Yeah. You know, they're going up, they're going up there and come on up, you know, and they're yeah. oh, oh my god, I wish I'd never turned up now, you know, that sort of thing. You know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it's this is I think to a certain extent, people are we're all learning at some point you're gonna have to perform live. Um yeah, and uh, it's it's difficult. You know, we we all react in different ways. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, just as I was saying, um, it's just briefly just to finish. We're just it's one of these things that can, if you understand that you can get to that level. I think part of it is obviously being confident, knowing what you need to know, and that comes with with practice. But once you've got the concept, the philosophy that we talk about. Um, you talk once you understand that and you kind of think well I can't go wrong because I know what I'm doing got riffs got scales got licks and I, I know the form and that's the whole point that's you know you don't expect somebody to go and do it from not from nothing they've done a bit of practicing that should enable them to sort of get to that point where and ultimately as we as you sort of um, yeah. suggest you actually, this idea of improvisation you can actually get yourself into that state really really early on even just out learning a basic a basic a very basic major a basic scale you can yeah. you you have to sort of um you have to just constantly keep do, doing it for a few minutes and and some days you'll do it when you're not aware that you're doing it i think it's like the artist drawing you know some yeah. people uh, i think what they call in modern day they call it drawing on the right hand side of the brain where where you know you'll see an artist draw and then the artist will go oh, i'm not drawing correctly today and they'll rip the piece of paper it looks all right to me but they'll rip the piece of paper up and throw it away and then another day they'll just sit down they're, they're in the mood for it and then what they're drawing is what they see and it's really good yeah yeah no, they've, they've yeah. managed to drop themselves and then you see the artist that's on the street corner drawing as people are walking past you realize that the artist can is, is able to get themselves. They're not even concerned about the people walking past. So mm. that they've got themselves. They've managed to get themselves in that particular state. Mm. So mm. then you think, wow, that's good. So mm. it's quite a good experiment for someone to be sat there drawing with people looking over the shoulder. Because mm. mm. it could be very off-putting, but mm. um, but they they don't. See, it doesn't seem to bother them. You know. Mm. So they've managed to get yeah, managed to bypass I think it's that the way, Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely the sort of way that you, well, we, you know, when we're thinking about this, blue, particularly blues, playing blues, obviously you've got the framework of blues, 12-bar blues, but it's not being fearful or worried that when you play, you're not going to play the right notes, you're going to do things right. It's, it's just that being relaxed to be able to, to know that, yeah, I can play this, I can improvise here, I know what to do. And it sounds easy, you know, all these things always sound easy. I think the key for me really at the end of all this is to be able to understand what, the, what we call improvise is actually the stuff that we've all learned. But then you kind of like, as you say, let go of it. You let go and you get into this zone. That's the key. That's what obviously that, we all love to be able to do. Actually, that, that part of what you've just said there is mm. absolutely correct. And um, what you find is that some people can get it uh, in, 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 if you if you work at it regularly. It's just like it's like some people can can um, self meditate, uh, self 
hypnosis, but they, they don't ever want somebody else to, they don't feel comfortable if somebody else is trying to do it to them, but doing it to yourself, a bit like meditation. But by, mm. but by exercising or practicing it, 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 it gets better. But that's basically the craving. And what I'm trying to get at is with the blues harmonica, even somebody starting out, they can play a few riffs and, 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 and learn to do this uh, even in a, a small way. And of course, it's opening pathways up in the brain. So of course, it's cognitive function. So therefore, it has to be, I've talked to doctors about this, and I was obviously about something completely different, but I mentioned this, and they said, yes, well, it's opening up pathways and all the rest of it. It has to be, has to be a good thing, you know, and, and they talk mm-hmm. about it in their world. Uh, not related to what I'm talking about, but they they, they recognise it. They're saying in the last 20 years, they're now looking at it for business, so that they think mm-hmm. that if they can employ people who can get themselves in this state, it might give them an edge over the competition. If they're designing a car, for example, or designing, you know, mm-hmm. they, there might be something in there that that mm-hmm. they can tap into, and mm-hmm. so they're they're kind of looking at it from all these different angles, but. Going back to the artist and musician, they've kind of always done it, I guess, but yeah. they've never really analysed mm. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, yeah, yeah. So, just going back to your uh, the metronome business, um, when um, for a second, and we were talking about, um, you know, I'd never really come across people using metronome. I'd come across them in jazz if somebody was like a uh, going through their Coltrane period where they were working on a tune called, say, Giant Steps. It went, bee ba ba do da dee da dee da do da da So they might set up the metronome because they're playing complex harmony and cycles. But I've never, uh, in the classical world, yes, but I've never really come across it. And, and a case in point here was 20-some years ago, I might be coming in from a gig at 3 o'clock in the morning and then I'm, it's my job to take my uh, daughter, a daughter, one of my daughters, to play group. So it's a real hip and trendy place for a guy that's been until three o'clock in the morning in the club. So there I am, like death warmed up, going up to Mother and Tots, where with a bit of luck, I might be meeting a jazz bass player that's in the same boat as I am. So it might be a bit of a cool yeah. slot. And if he's not there, well, yeah. great, I'm going to. Uh, do what the Romans do and uh, engross myself into playgroup. So we do the set and everything. And when it finishes, obviously these little three-year-olds are, because no matter how eccentric they want to be in society, they've got a function in society. So at this very, very early stage, they learn to tidy up because it's a part of society. But then they probably finish with a tune like, uh, the wheels on the bus, as we all know. Yeah. Now, yeah. if been they there, said to there. these three-year-olds, all right, people, we're going to set the metronome at 65 BPM. Okay, and then we're going to count to four, and then we're going to sing it. Well, obviously, the prerequisite, they, the, the, the three-year-olds wouldn't get the idea of the metronome. And after the third week of doing this, they, they would, after one, all the little children would go two, three, four. They wouldn't understand why there was a count there, but imitation, repetition, exploration, what they would do. So what happens is that one of the people who are running the place would then go, the wheels on the butt, and then they sing. So, so basically, like the blues player, they, they feel it and do it. Yeah. So, so that's the idea. So my, my idea is looking, looking at that, the metronome would have no concept. Now, 
years ago, back in the mid-80s or before that, a guy called Jamie Arbuthel started putting out some really good jazz backing tracks on, and used for blues as well. And what was interesting there was that he tended to play in front on his, on his sax, and then they'd cut him out so that the actual rhythm section are accenting off him or accenting through so that when you're using that track, uh, then it's better to get yourself into that frame of mind that we were talking about because you're hearing a live drummer accenting, you're hearing the bass player changing the bass lines. So you're hearing, so even though there's a movement going on, it's a human a human movement over, they're not playing to a click track as you would do in a yeah. pop tune where you go in the studio and put yeah. a track on, which it, it's always going to be stilted. It's never going to be, they can quantize it and do various things, but, you know, yeah. so, so it's that. So that's the, the thing. So I'm going back to that kind of feel thing that you, you yeah. kind of you try and get into yeah, exactly. Yeah, but do you not think? I mean, timing is a really critical thing, isn't it? Because if timing goes out, yeah. Well, I guess when you're in a band, your backline are going to hold the time, haven't they? Your drummer, your bass player, they've really got to hold that time, and be solid. So then, you know, you if you're playing, um, at the, you know, within the rhythm and the front sort of stuff, you can kind of be a bit more baggy, a bit more loose, I guess. But, yeah, you know, it's, all like, it's always that by yourself, isn't it? But you're mm. at the front, and if it's going well, the guys at the front look good. If it's going bad, it's the guys at the front that look, look bad. So <laughs> yeah. you, because you, yeah. they, you know, I used to know there was a piano player at one time said, "Look, I've got all these. I've got two hands," and he says, "I can make you. I can just move one finger, and I can if you, if you I can make you sound really bad, <laughs> really easily." Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I think that's uh, that's interesting. No, obviously, I think it's case in point and uh, it's a good, it's a good sort of have to have to have in the back of your mind. Yeah, well, you would never really want to play along with a click, um, but you know, technology these days, it's all these things, isn't it? It's like um, you listen to some old blues guys, I'm gonna say Robert Johnson and. Charlie Patton and you know you talk about 12 bar blues and then they say oh yeah here's a song that he did yeah he had 13 bars in this one or he had That's 11 right. bars he just he just he wasn't listening to yeah. anything he was just playing and yeah. then uh, uh, obviously when you play but with just when you're playing on your own um, it's obviously easy to make those mistakes and it doesn't matter but obviously when you're in a little combo you yeah. need to make sure everyone's in time and yeah, it's the case. It's the old story of when you're playing when you're playing on your own, which is the best way to practice in some ways because uh, yeah. there's nowhere to hide. But but then when you play with somebody else, you say, you know, you're doing your thing and you start improvising, and then and then it's the old story. And I've heard great players say the same thing. They go, oh, oh, you're playing too, you know, as you're playing, you go, oh, oh, because you you hold up now. I've got a he's yeah. playing as well, so I'm going to have to. But all told, it's a lot of fun. And, and of course, as you say, technology is moving. And of course, we, there's a, musicians, artists, uh, all designers, all of us are going through a tough time at the moment mm. with, with, mm. Um, with having to be with restrictions. So, you know, mm. uh, so mm. everything's being adapted, you know, at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there's not yeah, as much... Stuff out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, yeah. but that's great. I think we've covered uh, covered quite a lot today, RJ. I think um, I think that's yeah. uh, going to do it for today. Uh, anything you'd like to add about um, the, the the playing side or the the practicing side? Anything else that you, you just want you fancy just? No, mentioning? I think we've really covered quite a lot in this this chat, and I think hopefully it's been helpful for other listeners. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. My thanks to RJ. I have nothing but the utmost respect for somebody who's a, a professional in his own right, in his own chosen field in another part of the world, who's willing and uh, his quest for musical development, willing to throw himself out there onto the platform and his development of blues harmonica, his sheer love of uh, learning new things and uh, of course uh, perhaps helping a few people along the way. So respect to him and for people like him for that. The blues harmonica, not too tricky really, you'll be up and running in no time. You'll have a lot of fun on the journey. A good instrument to take up, I think. Portable and all the rest of it. So, from RJ and Harpo the Healer, stay tuned for more in the series. Stay cool, stay hip, get harping. <laughs>